Hello, and welcome to this edition in our Top 10 Risks series. In this series, we focus on the key disputes risks currently facing our asset management clients. My name is Adam Brown, and I'm a partner in the litigation and arbitration practice here at Simmons & Simmons. And today I'm joined by two colleagues from our financial crime and investigations practice. Camilla De Silva and Tom Bowen represent cl uh, clients in relation to those issues. And today we'll be discussing the topic of financial crime. Uh, that topic hardly needs any real introduction as to its huge significance if the risks posed in that space were to crystallise for any client. And the asset management sector has particular exposures given the nature of um, the, the business model, including around source of wealth being managed, financial crime issues affecting portfolio companies or industries, and also as a target for financial crime um, as businesses in their own right. So we'll try and draw out some practical lessons on how the risks can be addressed and mitigated. But before turning to that, I wanted to start with a broad question for Tom about what the key financial crime priorities are at the moment for regulators and law enforcement. Thanks, Adam. So I think probably the place to start is that a big feature, and it's always been there on the regulator's agenda, is operational resilience. And by that, I mean how well effectively can your business cope with an adverse event or a crisis? And when that does happen, can can it continue to meet its regulatory obligations? Now, financial crime compliance is a section of that. It doesn't encompass all of the operational resilience issues, but it's a key part of it. And that comes in around fraud. It comes in around cybercrime, money laundering, terrorist finance issues can crop up. And the broader piece about how a company should actually manage its relationship with law enforcement, with the regulators and any investigation process that flows from that. You also have issues around bribery and corruption and sanctions issues, possibly less of a focus in asset management, but certainly can be there. And I think the breadth of all that plays really into questions of monitoring. And that is a big focus of law enforcement, of regulators. How do you actually prevent this rather than just how do we come in afterwards and punish you for it? Now, I think the key thing to look at is how do you set up your three lines of defense? What is your, what are your people doing? What's the culture? How are your processes working? What is your audit function like? And a key point around that is the integration between financial crime compliance and market abuse. We've had a separate session on market abuse, so I won't really go into that, but it's a hot topic in compliance now. You've got limited resources. You need to get the best from them how do you join up all your various surveillance programs so that you actually catch what is going on? And frankly, there needs to be a greater focus on these financial crime issues now, possibly than ever before, because the risk has increased. It's been widely reported that the pandemic has created an environment for a uplift in all sorts of financial crime, particularly fraud, particularly cybercrime and fraud, and also around corruption because of the greater interface with governments. All of that has led to more pressure than we've ever seen before on compliance teams and some of the consequences of that are already playing out, but it will continue to play out for years. Thanks very much, Tom. And turning to Camilla, could you talk us through the sorts of themes we're seeing in terms of fraudulent activity affecting our clients? Yeah, sure, Adam. I mean, as Tom says, I think one of the big things we've seen during the pandemic is the shift to remote working and more online banking activity. And that is being exploited 
um, by would-be fraudsters. And so we've seen a real uptick in all sorts of different fraudulent activity, um, including those that are affecting um, the AM sector. So we're seeing frauds where the firm is the victim of fraud, as well as frauds carried out by an employee of the firm, increasing um, types of different scams, so phishing emails sent to steal personal and financial data, and something called smishing texts, which is similar to phishing, um, but where texts are sent to clients and investors impersonating trusted organizations uh, in order to trick investors to give away um, personal financial uh, information or money. We've also seen a huge spike in the number of fraudulent websites. So that's where cloned details from genuine asset managers or hedge funds have been used to set up web uh, websites that are fake. Uh, and there, uh, we've also seen um, genuine investors um, make the mistake of investing in in the fraudulent um, scheme. Uh, and, and and those sorts of frauds can be very difficult to manage um, reputationally for a number of reasons. Um, you've got the um, asset manager wanting to be a good citizen, a good corporate citizen and do the right thing. As a regulated entity, there can be FCA obligations to notify what's happened, um, as well as the question of reporting to and assisting the police if um, the police are indeed interested in pursuing an investigation. Uh, and that has to be managed alongside the need to protect the firm where there is a financial crime uh, risk exposure either by an employee or where the firm systems and controls have been subverted. Um, and that's really where we can come in to help provide advice on how to handle that situation and how to um, liaise with law enforcement to, to try and stay ahead uh, and um, manage um, the reputational risks uh, in particular. And we're also seeing a real uptick in ransomware um, uh, and cybercrime um, Ransomware is, I think, going to be a focus and online security is a focus of another session um, that we're going to hold on cybersecurity and data. But um, we're seeing a lot of that at the moment. Um, we've developed a bespoke ran ransomware playbook um, and we're seeing an, an increase in interest from clients who are trying to get ahead of, of this issue and sort of deal with what happens in the worst case scenario. Thanks very much, Camilla. So clearly a lot of different strands to the, the, the fraud theme. Could you maybe do the same for us when it comes to uh, anti-money laundering controls and the due diligence aspects and kind of unpack for us what we're seeing in that space? Yeah, so a, a key part of um, AM compliance is the anti-money laundering um, controls and due diligence um, that uh, our clients have in place. Um, and these have had to be um, adjusted uh, during the pandemic as they're now being done remotely. Um, but as Tom mentioned, they're still very much uh, top of um, mind for regulators. Uh, we saw in July of this year, the FCA put out a letter to retail banks. So although this letter was directed at retail firms, it should very much be considered alongside the other messages that we're seeing coming out of the FCA, including the recently published business plan for 2021-22, in which a key outcome for the FCA is for firms to be effective in preventing market abuse uh, and the risk of financial crime, including money laundering. Uh, and those are two areas where the FCA can pursue a dual track 
regulatory and criminal investigation. So uh, it's a particular concern um, that uh, AM clients uh, need to need to think about. And I think also the there is another key risk, which is around the proper conduct of source of wealth analysis, particularly for AM clients working with politically exposed persons, which may include super high network individuals. And we're seeing that particularly with our private equity clients. Uh, And there are difficulties that um, some AM clients can get into, particularly around the decision making around filing a suspicious activity report. And in fact, that's one of the points that the FCA has picked up on in their letter Uh, in July uh, about the poor record of investigations and decision-making processes and the rationale for whether to report um, uh, in the form of a SAR or not. So I think that's one of the key points is is to do the audit trail when you're making those sorts of decisions. Thanks very much, Camilla. Turning to Tom, a key variable obviously for any asset manager in terms of its risk profile is going to be the asset classes to which um, it it directs its investment capital. So could you maybe talk us through what we're seeing in that space as regards particular risk issues affecting certain asset classes? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think for me, risk in the sector is inherently driven by basically three things. There's clients, then the geography of where you're working, and then the underlying assets and actually the geography of what you're doing does link in with the assets question. One of the things that we're seeing is increased investments in assets which inherently involve some financial crime risk as opposed to it being you know, in and of itself a perfectly legitimate, not, not so much a legitimate, but perfectly normal business, but risk being brought by the identity of the clients in the jurisdiction. Top of mind for me are two things. One is cryptocurrencies and the other is cannabis. Both are issues where you've got a real difference in the regulatory and legal approach taken by by different jurisdictions. You're looking at cryptocurrency, you've really got to consider the regulatory and money laundering risks involved, particularly given the increasing divergence between the approach that is taken in the UK and maybe the US, and then the much more restrictive approach now being taken in China. If you're looking at cannabis, you've got big proceeds of crime issues, your investments may be completely legal in certain US states, but in the UK, it is still a it's still a legal narcotic and you need to look at the legislation, do a really detailed analysis as to what you're actually investing in and whether you are going to be holding the proceeds of crime. I mean, a final point that I probably should pick up here, it doesn't relate so much to the assets, but whenever you are dealing with a business and you are looking and dealing through intermediaries, you always need to be careful. That very much links to the asset, also links to the jurisdiction. If you have an intermediary in a high-risk jurisdiction, uh, that's something you really need to be paying attention to. Yeah, no, I absolutely endorse uh, that final point, both from a criminal and also a civil liability perspective. Now, final question for Camilla before we run out of time, and I can't help um, but sort of reference the fact that it's not so very long since you were on the prosecutor's side of the uh, the fence. And so it'd be really helpful for you to sort of give us a few thoughts on where you think the prosecution agenda is at the moment. Yes, I think just picking up on that point that Tom just made about um, high-risk jurisdictions um, and high-risk industries, I think the SFO is always going to um, take a look uh, at uh, those um, areas, both in terms of jurisdictions and in terms of high-risk industries. So we've seen quite a lot of focus on the energy and extractives 
um, industries and the financing of the same can also come into play. So I think it's important to, to note that. And I think we're seeing increasingly the FCA looking at criminal um, prosecuting um, uh, agenda, um, particularly around um, anti-money laundering issues. So it'd be really interesting to see to what extent uh, that continues. Uh, and I think we're going to be seeing more sort of ESG focused investigations, um, whether it's the future of environmental or green crime, ESG litigation, shareholder actions and the like. So I think quite a lot that's happening um, in terms of the prosecution agenda and impact on AMIFs in this space. Thanks very much, Camilla. I mean, there's been an enormous amount covered there in a relatively <laughs> short period of time. And I can't help but feel that someone listening to that will have, uh, you know, questions buzzing in their head about um, how to take forward all those various themes. But it's been hugely insightful. And thank you for that. Uh, to listeners, thank you for joining us on this episode. And do please look out for other episodes in this series in which we discuss the asset management sector uh, issues arising across specific other topical disputes issues. Thank you. Bye-bye.